Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. So let's talk about discovering your divine assignment. I want to start in Psalm uh, Psalms 144, verse 12, and I'm going to read this to you from the New Living Translation, Psalm. Uh, 144, verse 12. And notice what he says here. He says, may our sons flourish in their youth like well nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. That's that ought to tell us something right there as well, that just in this beginning of this verse, we see where the priority is. God's blessing and God's focus is on people first. His focus is always on people first. May our sons and our daughters, sons and daughters. God's all about sons and daughters. We sang about that tonight, about sons and daughters and being sons and daughters and no longer slaves to fear. But he says, may our sons flourish. May our daughters be um, be like like fruitful vines and Car- graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our- and then he talks about our stuff. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our field multiply by the thousands and even tens of thousands. And even that, I believe, is referring to people. That's not just referring to to our, our jobs and our occupations. And the, these people, in this case, as farm farmers and as uh, as as vineyard owners, it wasn't just referring to their prosperity um, financially or their prosperity in their field. But this is speaking to us about the flocks of God's people. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, no going into captivity, no cries of alarm in our town squares. Yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Can there be a life like this? Can we have this in this earth today? And the answer is unequivocally, yes, it wouldn't be in God's word if it wasn't possible. This is how to pray, pray the promises of God. This is what to believe for. This is what to expect. This is what should shape our expectations in life. This is what's going to happen in our city. This is what's going to happen in our lives. Our sons and daughters are going to flourish and they're going to be like great pillars in God's house and they're going to do great things for God's kingdom. And our next generation is going to go further and higher than any of us have ever gone. Come on. Can anybody say amen to that? And we've got to believe that and we can take the Bible and the promises of God's word as the as 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 the as the drawing and the architecture of what God's going to do and as the as the building plans of what God's going to do and uh, and 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 really as the prophetic picture of the kind of world we can live in and the kind of the kind of victory that we can walk in. He says, look, he says, may no May there be no enemy breaking through our walls. This isn't talking about getting to heaven because in heaven there are no enemies at all. Come on. Right. He's talking about here on this earth where enemies can't break in through our walls, where our kids aren't going into captivity, where our loved ones are not in bondage to anything, where there are no cries of alarm and fear and terror in our town squares. Can we ever really get to a place 
where we believe God's word is greater than whatever the media is reporting and whatever is happening in the world today. Can any of us be people that will take God at his word and say, Lord, be it done to me according to your word? You know how Mary became the woman who gave birth to Jesus in this earth was she said, Lord, may may it be according to your word. Let it be according to your word. Let it be unto me according to your word. In other words, God made a promise that he was going to bring the savior through her. And she said, I receive it. I expect it. And I say yes to it. And if you will say yes to. Yeah, God, I want to be one of those sons and daughters that are a pillar. I want to be one of those sons and daughters that are flourishing. I want to be one of those sons and daughters that are a nurtured plant that are graceful pillars carved in a palace of beauty. I want to be one of those people that are a part of a, a community of believers that where there is no there's no enemy breaking through our walls. There's no weapon formed against us that can prosper. There's no evil that can come near our dwelling place. There's no plague that can come near our tent. Boy, if we would get a hold of the fact that this is a picture of exactly and a prototype of exactly how we can walk and how we can live as the righteousness of God and as the people of God, then all fear is going to go. All worry and anxiety is going to flee and you're going to have joy. He says joyful indeed are the people who live like this and joyful are the people whose God is the Lord. Last time I checked, my God is the Lord. How about yours? So I'm expecting a joyful life. Indeed, I'm expecting this happy life that is promised in the word of God. But I want to get us. I want to show you how we're going to get there. How are we going to get to this place where we're flourishing? Anybody want to flourish in your life? Anybody want to be a pillar? When you think about flourishing, think about a plant that is continually growing and and nourished and nurtured. When you think about a pillar, you're thinking about somebody who's stable and somebody who's holding things up and holding things together and is not wishy washy, not being blown by every wind and afraid of what's going on in life. But that pillar stands there and that pillar can endure whatever comes against it. And what 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 will get us to this place? Well, we got to break down some of the meanings of these words and we got to understand who we are because he's talking about sons and daughters here. And God is looking to raise us up as his sons and daughters and give us our divine assignment. You know, life is really boring and life is really depressing and life can be really life will be really discouraging if you don't have an assignment, if you don't know that you're here for a purpose. We've been talking about purpose on Sundays, but I want to dig a little deeper about your divine assignment here as a son or a daughter of God. Are you ready for that? Now, listen, a son, a son, the word son in the Bible, at least in this in the Old Testament is it has many meanings, but one of the meanings of this word son is the word builder. It's the word builder. A son is a builder. So when he talks about us as sons and daughters of God, we're builders. The word daughter means vine or branch or village. It literally is translated as many of these words as branch, vine, village. In other words, that God is raising up sons and daughters, people who are builders and people who are building God's house, building God's community, building God's kingdom in this earth while we're on this earth. The Bible says Jesus said, occupy 
until I come. He didn't say, you know, just bury your heads in the sand and 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 just try to avoid as much trouble as you can and and just try to protect yourselves and just make as much money as you can. No, Jesus said, occupy until I come, occupy until I come. God has created us to be people that take dominion in this life, that we are not ruled by this world, but we become the kings and the priests that he created us to be and that we rule and reign with him. The Bible says through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in this life. We reign in this life. So why aren't we reigning? Why aren't we reigning? Why are we being reigned over by life? Why are we being reigned over by fear, being reigned over by disease and and anxiety and worry and and all that's going on in this world and depression and sadness and sorrow? Let me tell you something. He says in Romans 5:17 exactly why we're not reigning in life. He says, because this is how we do reign in life through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. We reign in life. If you are not aware of the abundance of grace, not knowing how to access the abundance of grace and you're not aware of your gift of righteousness and how to walk in that gift of righteousness and what that means to stand before God without guilt, to stand before God without condemnation, to stand before God as if sin had never been because Jesus washed it all away and made you the righteousness of God. If you don't know how to stand that way, you're not going to reign in life. And that's why we spend so much time talking about grace. It's an abundance of grace. That's why we spend so much time talking about righteousness. We are we have received the gift of righteousness and that's how we reign in life. Don't everybody say amen at once, but I'm just telling you, if you get a hold of this, you can't be conquered. You become the conqueror. But what are most Christians doing? They're just work. They're just working their tails off through life, just trying to survive, just trying to make it. God didn't create us to just survive and make it. He created us to be builders and to be vineyards and to be vines and to be and to build God's kingdom and to build uh, the the power of God and the and the anointing of God into this earth and into people and to build into others the, the encouragement and the strength and the and the calling and the purpose that God has for them. Boy, we got to get a hold of the fact that it's we're not just holding on for dear life. We're we're more than conquerors, people. We're more than conquerors through his love. We're more than conquerors. That's who you are as a son or daughter in God of God. And in this context, being more than a conqueror means we're not just people that live in victory. We're people that are to build it into others and build and build into others by winning others to the Lord, by encouraging others, by strengthening others. See, this isn't a sexy teaching tonight because, you know, it's not sexy to help others. Sometimes it's not sexy to to think about being a leader and being a builder. But we got to wake up and realize that God doesn't deposit all the things he's deposited in our lives just so that we can be get fat spiritually. He deposits it, it in us so that we can give it to others. I am at Life Changers Church, right? I just I just want just want to make sure I, I pulled into the right parking lot today. If we're life changers, then we're going to see lives changed and we got to care about lives. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself. Last time we talked about this, we were talking about five ways to build yourself up. And but, you know, one of the things we didn't talk about is one of the ways that you can build yourself up. One of the best things you can do when you're discouraged is encourage somebody else. One of the best things you can do when you're struggling is help somebody else. One of the best things you can do when things aren't going so well for you is be a blessing and be an encouragement and be a strength to others. 
Well, I want to know how to do that, don't you? I don't want to just be a, a bless me club where I'm just taken and taken and taken. Every river that is healthy has an inlet and it has an outlet. Every body of water, I should say, has an inlet river coming in, a body of water coming into it and a body of water going out of it. If there's no body of water going out of it, it will it will become stagnant. If there's no body of water coming into it, it will become stagnant. There's got to be a body of water. There's got to be a river coming into it. There's got to be a river going out of it. That's how we are. But there's one place in the there's there's one place in um, in the maps of your Bible called the Dead Sea, where there is no inlet coming in and no inlet, go, no outlet going out. And so it's dead. There's no there's no um, there's no fish. There's no there, there, there's nothing. There's no life inside of that sea because it's dead. In other words, there has to be life coming into you and life going out of you. If it's just coming in but not going out, you're going to it's life. Life can't exist in that environment. If it's just going out but it's not coming in, life can't exist in that environment. And so that's why we need to be people that are that are like um, a body of living water. And of course, you have the Holy Spirit, who is the the one who 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 brings the living water and, uh, and and it will bubble up inside of you, the Bible says, and rivers of living water. You know, you have rivers of living water right inside of you. And so we have everything we need to encourage ourselves, to build ourselves up. We talked about that last time that you got to learn how to build yourself. You got to learn how to talk to yourself. You got to learn how to build yourself up in prayer. You got to learn how to build yourself up in God's word. You got to realize that there's not going to be somebody to encourage you all the time, but you've got rivers of living water inside of you that you can tap into Speaking God's word will cause those rivers to flow and and activate those rivers and praising God will activate those rivers and praying in tongues will activate those rivers. And and these evangelism and sharing your faith, that'll activate those rivers of living water that are inside of you. And boy, that's when you really start enjoying this journey. That's when you really start understanding that there's peace in your life and there's joy in your life because there's purpose in your life and you're on your divine assignment. And walking in that is something God wants every one of us to walk in. Now we're going to dig into this thing. All right. Are you ready? So let's go. So a son is a builder. A daughter is a is a vine and a village and a con- she's the connective connectivity and connects is a connector of things and people. And that's who we are as sons and daughters of God. And I want to read you this verse in Romans 8, 19, where it says in the King James Bible, it says this for the earnest expectation of the creature waits is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, he's talking about becoming mature people here, that all of creation is longing for the children of God to become sons of God, for the children of God to not just be the ones getting fed, but being the ones who are building something. Can you embrace the fact that God wants you to discover your divine assignment, not just your job, not just um, how you're going to raise your family, not just how you're going to make a living, not just how your business is going to grow, but how you are going to truly make an impact in this life and in this world. You have a divine assignment. I'm not letting you off the hook. You have a divine assignment. Just getting by in life is not your calling. Mediocrity is not your calling. 
Being average is not your calling. You're called to greatness because there's greatness inside of you. God put it in there and I'm just trying to blow on it and breathe on it and cultivate it and stir it up inside of you because it's all inside of you. And when you grab a hold of it and say, you know what, I'm going to live a life to fulfill my divine assignment. I'm going to discover it. I'm going to develop it and I'm going to deploy it and distribute my divine assignment and the life that God has put inside of me is meant to come in me and go through me and flow flow from me to help others. The world is waiting, folks. The world is longing. There is a void in this world. And you know what it is? It's a void of leadership. It's a void of people that will say this is the way. Walk ye in it. It's a void of people. There's a void. There's a gap in this world. And where, what will fill that gap? People that will say this is the way. Walk ye in it. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That this is how we are created and we are de- designed with design to walk in God's divine assignment designed and assigned is what God has for us. He's designed us in a certain way and he's assigned something to each and every one of us. And I don't want to try to make this theoretical, but I do want you to understand you have to you have to embrace that and believe that that you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. You're not you're not just meant to wander in the wilderness for 40 years like the children of Israel did. They were meant to go into the promised land and you're meant to go and walk in the promises of God and walk in your authority and walk in your divine destiny and walk in your in your divine assignment and not allow your potential to be buried in the grave. When you die, your potential is not going to stay there. Your potential is not going to be there. It's going to already be lived. It's going to already be fulfilled. It's going to already be manifested. And the world is waiting for sons of God to rise up and manifest in this earth. Sons and daughters of God who will rise up and be people who say, you know what? I'm going to learn how to speak God's word. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to rise up and prophesy. I'm going to rise up and lead others to Jesus Christ. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to be a master over my emotions, a master over my mind. I'm going to be a person who truly lets the Holy Spirit flow through me and walks in the spirit, not in the flesh and walks in the power of God. When I run into sick people, devils run backwards and I heal them and I lay hands on them. I'm going to be one who when I come in contact with somebody who's hurting, I'm going to have a a healing touch for them. When somebody's broken, a healing touch to restore them. When somebody's depressed, a healing touch to encourage them and give them hope and give them purpose. Yes, God wants to do that through you. And if he can get it through you, he can get it to you. Somebody said, well, as soon as God does it for me, then I'll do it for somebody else. Well, he's already given you all things pertaining to life and godliness. And he has given you every gift, every promise, 7000 promises in God's word. And so we've got to just grab a hold of that and realize that God wouldn't bring us here. God wouldn't put us here. God wouldn't assign us into a church that that he wasn't expecting each person to get an assignment through that church to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. And so that's what you should be looking for. Lord, show me my divine assignment. Show me my purpose. Show me my destiny. And not just I'll wait here until you do, but get active in the meantime, because the Bible says as they went, they were healed. As they went, they were healed. 
The Bible says that if you want to fulfill your ministry in second, second Timothy, chapter four, Paul said, if you, you want to fulfill your ministry, Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. You know, Timothy wasn't even an evangelist. Timothy was a pastor. In fact, he was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. He was he was Paul had set him into that church as the pastor of one of the great churches. That's where the book of Ephesians is written to the church at Ephesus. And Timothy was the pastor of that church. And yet Paul told him while he was while he was developing as a man of God, Paul told Timothy in order to fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, it all starts by being a soul winner. It all starts by going after the the lives of others, whether it's through our giving, through our prayer, through our sharing the gospel personally with somebody, giving them a touch card, inviting them to church. I know you're some of you probably thinking, well, I just I just came to be encouraged. But see, if you come to be an encourager, you'll get encouraged in the process. You'll get so encouraged when you go, God, use me. God, use me. Here I am, Lord. You know, when somebody's really touched by God, what happens? What had happened to Isaiah in Isaiah chapter one? What happened to Isaiah or Isaiah chapter six? What happened to him when um, when God touched him? He said, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. This is what happens when God touches somebody, when you truly have know that you're forgiven and when you know that you've been you've been rescued by Jesus. You say, Lord, use me. Well, we got some work to do here tonight. All right, let's keep going. Let's keep going here. All right. Now, I'm going to take you somewhere here that will kind of surprise you, but 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 it'll make sense. Let's let's go to Zechariah chapter one, Zechariah chapter one. And I want you to can you even find that in the Bible? Somebody said, is that is that even a book in the Bible? Zechariah, Zechariah chapter one. And you'll be surprised at what we find here. And look at what he says. We're going to start here in verse 17, Zechariah, chapter one, verse 17. And he says again, proclaim, saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities will overflow with prosperity. Look at what he says. My cities will overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Verse 18. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked and behold, there were four horns. And he says, and I saw four horns and the Lord showed me four carpenters. If you go jump down to verse 20, uh, uh, then I lifted my eyes and looked and there were four horns and I saw four horns. And then he says, and the Lord showed me four carpenters. This translation says four craftsmen, but they are four carpenters. Now, let me explain what this means, because four horns represent four powers that were attacking assigned to attack Jerusalem, assigned by the devil to attack Jerusalem. They were the the kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom of Persia, the kingdom of Greece and the kingdom of Rome. These uh, these empires were all these are the four horns that the Bible talks about, and they were the four empires that tried to 
destroy and 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 keep Israel destroyed. And Israel obviously represents the Old Testament. Israel represents the New Testament believers. And there are these kingdoms and there are these assignments from hell that are trying to destroy God's people. And I want you to see something that for every one of these horns, there was a carpenter assigned to each one of these horns. So there were four horns and there were four carpenters. And now I know we're digging deep here a little and you got to you got to kind of stay with me because, oh, I thought I was just going to learn how to, you know, how to be healed by his stripes tonight. And you're talking about horns and carpenters and I never even lifted a hammer, Pastor. I don't know how I'm going to be a carpenter, but I want you to see how important this is, because these are the four enemies of the Jews that surrounded them from the north, the south, the east and the west. And they tried to conquer them. But here's the beautiful thing. But the people of God could not be conquered because God raised up these four carpenters to destroy these four horns. Each carpenter was assigned to destroy each horn. One carpenter, one horn, four carpenters, four horns. In other words, we have been given the authority. God is making us. How many know that we're made in the image of God and we're as Jesus is. So are we. Jesus was a carpenter. He's made us carpenters and he's made us to be people that smash the horns of the enemy in our lives. Every one of us has an enemy that Satan sent to destroy you, that Satan either put inside of your parents to pass down from generation to generation and or there's something that you did that is that is a time bomb from your past or you were abused or you were you were handled in some way that was that 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 was an assignment from hell to to damage you and to ultimately derail you from fulfilling your God given assignment. And what I'm trying to say to you is this, is that God wants you as a son or daughter of God to rise up, be the builder that he created you to be, be the hammer he created you to be, be the carpenter he created you to be and smash that horn that was assigned by hell to destroy you and to defeat you. Does this make sense to anybody? See, there is been there has been unleashed in your life and whether it was an addiction that you grew up with, whether it was a a disease that you've had for years, some sort of sickness that is hung on you, whether it's a a, a sense of rejection, whether it's a sense of inferiority, whether it's some sort of um, some some sort of uh, where you're always in debt and you're always just failing financially or maybe it's something where you're always prone to as soon as this temptation comes in this area over here, man, you're you're it's not even a temptation. You can pass through pass that test with flying colors. But over in this area, that seems to be your Achilles heel. You know what I'm saying? That seems to be the uh, where where you are, are prone to to constantly fall. And if you continue to just accept that, then you are you are basically saying Jesus didn't do enough for me and I don't have enough authority 
And I don't and I don't have to, and I can't break out of this. But that's exactly what the devil wants you to think, that you will forever be defined and confined to that weakness you grew up with, to that 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 harm that was done to you, to that that time bomb that Satan put inside of you. For me, it was addictions. For me, it was drugs for me. But I realized when I was I realized after I got saved, I thought, oh, God has rescued me from drugs. God has rescued me from alcoholism. God has rescued me from all these addictions. And that was my problem. And that was keeping me from God. And that was. But that really wasn't my problem. As I learned over the years, what was really what was really going on in me was, was because I was without because I was without Jesus, I was empty. And so I was trying to fill that emptiness with something and everybody tries to fill that emptiness with something. And for me, that's how it worked. For me, that's what it was. For me, that was the thing that was constantly I was I needed to fill that emptiness with with um, with substance abuse. And for maybe that's how it is for you or maybe it's something else. But my point is, is that Satan had put this had had, you know, given Satan had deposited in my soul and deposited in the generations that came before me a, a, a proclivity and a and a and a propensity to loneliness, depression uh, and to 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 have to fill that stuff. Some people are just the happiest people in the world. You know, you they just bounce up and down all the time. They're just shouting and leaping wherever they go. It's not even spiritual. It's actually quite, you know, um, annoying, right? You cannot be that happy all the time. But if that's your gift, God bless you. But everybody has a struggle with something. Everybody has a horn. Everybody has a Babylon, a um, a, a, a Greece, uh, a a Rome. Everybody has one of these horns that has been assigned against you to destroy you. Uh, Greece. Uh, what was it? Uh, Babylon, Persia, Greece and Rome. These are all empires that are trying that we're trying to control the Jews, confine the Jews, limit the Jews and um, and keep them in bondage. And there is something from hell, an assignment from hell that was sent to against you to define you, limit you, keep you in bondage and make you a victim of it the rest of your life. And until you say, you know what, I'm a son or a daughter of God and I'm I'm created to rule and reign in life and I am assigned to crush with my hammer to crush this horn that was assigned to me. The Bible says the beast has two horns. So the devil, the beast here, we're you know, grabbing scriptures out of Revelation and the book of Daniel and Zechariah. And you're like, oh, how does that apply to my daily life? Because there is a horn that has been assigned against you from hell that you have been assigned to crush. And when you crush it, I'm going to tell you right now, when you crush that thing, when you obliterate it with the tools that God has given you, with the equipment that God has given you, with the word of God, the spirit of God, the church of God, the love of God, the power of God, the promises of God, the anointing of God. When you when you take all of that weaponry that God has given you and you use that to crush that horn, you are going to be literally launched 
and catapulted into your assignment. Your first assignment is to crush that horn. Your first assignment is to understand what that horn is and for you to crush it and to go after it and to obliterate it and to destroy it. What is it for you? Is it emptiness? Is it loneliness? Is it fear? What is it that constantly grabs you? Is it some sort of addiction? Is it perverted? Is it is it lust? Is it anxiety? Is it whatever it is? Only, you know, other people may know, but you're the only one that's going to know enough to then go after it. What am I trying to tell you? You know it because it's constantly your nemesis. It's constantly the thing that comes after you. It's constantly the thing that you struggle with. It's constantly the thing that that has been this this uh, this thing that that Paul said was his thorn in his flesh. It wasn't something that God didn't give him authority to do anything about. It was that God said, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is going to be perfected in your weakness. When you apply my power to your weakness, you're going to get strong in that area. You're not going to stay that way any longer. Boy, I wonder if anybody's grabbing a hold of this man. Look, there is something in your soul There is something that the enemy assigned a horn that the enemy assigned to defeat you, to define you, to confine you. Rejection, uh, feeling low about yourself, low Uh, self-worth. Like I said, somebody who's constantly making bad financial decisions and they're always in debt and they're always broken or somebody who's always fallen into sexual sin, always struggling in, in that area of your life. Let me tell you something, then you have to take that seriously, not as a way to condemn yourself or to beat yourself up, but to beat that thing up. My God, that's what that's your assignment is to conquer that thing because you're more than a conqueror. And if you're more than a conqueror, then you can at least conquer. But you can do more than that. But you but you're going to take the Christ grace purchased anointing and identity that's inside of you and you're going to crush Satan's head and that horn under your feet. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. A lot of people, they're not resisting the devil in that area, in that horn, that area that's been assigned against you. Does this make any sense to anybody? Look, here's we're builders. We're called to build. We're called to be carpenters. We're called to crush this stuff. The thing about it is you can't be passive about this. There's four horns, there's four carpenters in this passage. What is that speaking of? Every assignment from hell, God has assigned a person. And he's assigned you and me to crush that thing that was assigned against us, not to say, well, that's just how I'm always going to be. That's just how I've always been. And that's how I'm always going to be. Would you stop that? Stop accepting anything other than what Jesus stamp DNA stamp of approval is on you. And look, let me show you what I mean by that here. Here Abraham was in Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Let's look there. Genesis chapter 12, verse one. Here Abraham is and God speaks to him and he says, "Okay, Abraham, at the time, his name is Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and go, he says in verse two, and I, he says, I will bless you and I will make you a great nation 
and kings. I'll make your name great and kings will come from you. What he says is he says what he's trying to tell Abraham and what we need to get from this is that it's his relatives and it's his country that he came from that taught him to be to be to be a nomad. These were nomadic people. They were they would go from city to city. They would go from village to village. And when somebody had already conquered a village and then left to go somewhere else, they would go in and they would eat off of the land, the leftovers of that land. They were nomads. They were just eating the leftovers of what's of somebody else's labor. And and this is the this was the pattern. This was what they did for for years and years and years. And God spoke to Abram and said, get get out of that place. Leave your relatives, not because you can't have family members anymore or you can't love your family. He's saying, get away from the mindsets that put that DNA of failure inside of you and that DNA of defeat inside of you and that DNA of depending on somebody else inside of you and go to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation, he says in verse three and verse four. And he says, go from them and go to the place that I'm going to show you. And this is what God is saying to every one of us as believers is we've got to be willing to leave the impressions that our relatives have put upon us, the images that were that were placed upon us. You know, they say that between a child, a child from the time he's three to 11 is when he's everything is formed inside of that child, his his way of seeing himself, his way of looking at himself, his way of looking at life is formed in those seven or eight years of development. And 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 it's and it's imprinted in him by the time he's 11 years old. And it really dictates the trajectory of that child's life by the time he's 11. So it's not about it's not about, well, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to study? What kind of career are you going to have? It's really you're really shaped not by the college or the profession that you choose. You're shaped by what happens in those formative years. And only you through the application of God's word, only you can break out of that and remold and reshape what God what God created you to be, because you're, when you're born again, your spirit is born again, but your soul is still got that imprint of the past on it. And you got to break out of that. And that requires that you surround yourself with champions. And it requires that you surround yourself with with love filled, spirit filled, faith filled people that are not gossips, that are not negative, that are not talking about others and that are not trying to define you by your past or define you by a mistake or define you by how you grew up. Or that's exactly what Satan is trying to do to keep you limited and to keep you defeated. Time to break out, people. Time to break out. That's what God told Abraham to do. And that's what he's telling each believer to do. You called to cut this thing down, cut this cut this horn off. Bust this thing with a hammer. What is the hammer? The hammer is Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Jeremiah 23, verse 29. Look at what he says. What's the hammer that you're supposed to obliterate this horn from? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters the rock? See, we have got to take God's word and we've got to smash the identity of our past. 
and let the, let the, let the new identity, the new you emerge. And boy, what religion, religion is the worst thing that man has ever made. Religion is a man made effort to to get to God, to please God, to 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 try to to try to focus on God in some through some religious uh, rituals and learned behaviors rather than having a vital, vibrant relationship with God that is born from love, that when you realize that God loves you, that he's for you, that he's that he can't he can't get you out of his mind. If he wanted to, he wouldn't get you. He loves you so much that you're the apple of his eye and he his his love for you is immeasurable. It's unfathomable. It's it's unconditional. It's a, it's non-negotiable. No one can talk you out of it. No one can. Wild horses can't drag God away from you. He will never he will never you'll never be separated from his love because you'll never be separated from him because he has created an eternal bond between you and him. The day you accepted Jesus Christ as your savior and Lord and nothing is going to separate you from that bond and nothing's going to separate you from that love. And when you get a hold of that, you start believing big and you start dreaming big. And instead of just trying to pay your bills, you're trying to pay you're trying to pay the bills of the next generation and the generation after that. And that's what a good man leaves an inheritance to his children, his children's children, that you are so blessed beyond beyond what you ever imagined that you can fund your grandchildren's future and their dreams and their hopes, because you have you have a you have a big God inside your mind. You don't have a little dad. You don't have a father that is barely you know, doing two jobs to get by. And there's nothing wrong with that. And thank God for fathers that have done that. But you've got to realize you've got to get your sights bigger and realize God is bigger than that. And God's not limited. And God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And you've got to get your eyes on a big God, no matter how small of a of a, of a life you lived. It's time to let go of the small thinking about yourself and think big and dream big and believe big and break out of the smallness and break out of the containment that has held you for so long into a mediocre average life. So what's it going to take? It's going to take us understanding that we are just like Jesus on the inside of us. And when we read our Bibles, we are being conformed to that image in our soul. Our spirit already looks like that, but our soul becomes a soul that that believes in possibilities and believes that nothing's impossible and believes that all the promises of God are yes and amen and believes that God will do exceeding abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. No, just leave me alone, Pastor. I just want to know how to just get my bills paid and just make it through another day. Really? I don't think that's what you want. I think you want more than that. I think you want bigger than that. I think that there's something inside of you saying to what I'm saying, even though I'm not saying it perfectly and I'm not saying it eloquently. There's something inside of you saying, yes, tell me more about this. God, help me understand this. Lord, go show me my assignment. Lord, give me the uh, the, the understanding of what you have for me. Well, here's your assignment. Your assignment is to take the hammer of God's word starting tonight. Your assignment is to take the hammer of God's word and completely obliterate the horn that has ruled you, the horn that has controlled you. If it's fear, 
then you're going to take the hammer of God's word. and You're going to destroy fear with promises of faith in the word of God and the love of God, which casts out fear. So your assignment, if it's fear, it's just as an example, then your assignment is to completely obliterate, obliterate it with scriptures on faith and scriptures on love. OK, if it's uh, inferiority, you just see yourself small, then you need to go and look into the scriptures and hammer away at that image of yourself, casting down imaginations. That's what it means, casting down imaginations or images about yourself that are contrary to what God says about you and how God looks at you. So you got to go get the scriptures about Joshua and Caleb and how they the 10 spies said we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And so we became we we saw ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we became like grasshoppers in their eyes. You have to obliterate that grasshopper mentality in your head and that grasshopper, those grasshopper images of your small view of yourself. It's not humble to see yourself small. It's humble to see yourself how God sees you. OK, you got to get a hold of that. It's not humble to be inferior. It's not humble to beat yourself up. It's humble to accept what God says about you and accept no other version and no other opinion about yourself other than God's opinion about you. Listen, in this room and on the screen, you guys that are joining us online are champions, leaders, barrier breakers. And you got to make up your mind. I am going to my first assignment, because I'm telling you, as soon as you crush the horn, the horn is is on the head and the horn that has been assigned to you, the, the Persia, the Babylon, the, the 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 Greece, the Rome, whatever that horn is, the fear, the anxiety, the lust, your assignment is to obliterate that with the promises of God. You know, the Bible talks about in first second uh, Peter, chapter one, that the way that we deal with lust is with the promises of God. In other words, the only reason we desire something that is so strong that it leads us to making bad decisions is because we're lacking confidence that God will give it to us the right way. And there's so many promises to cover every desire that we've ever had in our lives that if you fill your heart with the promises of God, it will deliver you from lust. You go study Second Peter, chapter one tonight or tomorrow and you'll see for yourself and that that's where the power is, is in the promises of God. And so whatever the horn is that has controlled you, your next assignment, your next assignment is to obliterate that with the word of God. And that is going to catapult you into your assignment after that. OK, so you know what? That's all I got to say about that tonight. Let's stand together. I hope that makes sense to somebody here and somebody watching and you will see this work in your life if you work it. And I just got to tell you that um, if you get a hold of the fact that you are made in the image of Jesus, you are just like him. And you go after this knowing 
that you're a son or daughter of God, knowing that you're called to build, knowing that your assignment right now is going to lead you to your greater divine assignment for the future. And that potential inside of you is not going to go into the grave with you. It's going to be released into this earth through your acting on God's word. Amen. 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 Obliterate the horn that is ruling your mind, ruling your emotions, ruling your attitudes. And you will never be the same again. Attack, attack, attack. Some of you need to hear a word from God. You've been living on defense. And it's time to turn the tables and go on offense and stop waiting for something to come to you and go crush that horn. Whatever that thing is, whatever that is, that's your assignment. You have a hammer. His word is like fire and it's a hammer and it will shatter the rock. If you want to be saved tonight, I want to invite you to come to the altar. If you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I want you to come to the altar. And if you need prayer for anything else, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar. Otherwise, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Lord, you said Jabez prayed, Lord, bless me indeed. Let's pray that together. Say, Lord, bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my impact. Thank you that your hand is upon me. Your hand of purpose, your hand of protection your hand of power, your hand of provision, your hand is upon me and you will use me to heal this world, to deliver people, to be a builder. I'm a son or daughter of God and I'm a builder of your house and I will help advance your kingdom for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. I hope you're encouraged by today's message. And listen, if you're in the Chicago area, I want to meet you. You can join me every Sunday at Life Changers Church in Hoffman Estates or in downtown Chicago. If you're looking for a church home or maybe just want to know more about God, I would love for you to be my guest this Sunday. You can find our service times and locations at lifechangeschurch.com and you can even plan your visit there. Our team will host you and make you feel right at home. For anyone else listening around the country and around the world, you can always join me every Sunday online. Be a part of our online church community at lifechangerschurch.com or on Facebook and YouTube. I hope to see you this Sunday. God bless.